1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Brother John read, Brother John read um, from verse 17 to verse 25, which is an extended passage, and I believe it is a, uh, an extended passage for purpose. We're going to introduce that time to that. Uh, excuse me, that portion of scripture to, to us together tonight. If you'll uh, follow along, I want to read it again, and then we'll look at a couple of notes. It says, "And and if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear." For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times, for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Father, help us, please. Help me, please. As we take this first look, these, these, just these couple of minutes together this morning, to look, Lord, at what it is that you want us to see concerning the difference in our life now. Lord, would you, would you work in your children's hearts and lives that we would understand what this holy walk is meant to be like and how it manifests itself, how it exposes itself, how it reveals itself in not only this unfeigned love of the brethren, but this fervent love. Lord, would you cause us to not just see this, but to remember it, to enter into it and live according to this, uh, uh, this word, this truth that we'll see together. I thank you, Father, for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is an extended passage, and there's so, such a great deal uh, that is before us here. I'm just going to draw your attention to a couple of things this morning. We'll come back. We'll look more at it in the, in the few weeks that will follow this. I want you to see, let's start at the end with verse 24 and 25, which are not really um, exciting verses in a sense, but they bring a very sobering truth before us. It says, for all flesh is as grass, and the glory 
of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falls away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, clearly, God is drawing a contrast between men, the flesh, and everything in the world, the glory of man, and the simple word of God. When I was a baby Christian, one of the things that I realized was true about false religion, was necessarily true about false religion, is it had to continue to change. It had to continue to shift and to move so that you couldn't really put your finger on it and get a good look at it. Because if you get an opportunity to nail down worldly religions, religions that talk about you um, working your own way to heaven, as you get an opportunity to look into them in any, with any depth at all, what you realize is this is very shallow and it is very man-centered. Now, this is a very easy passage. Um, when it's hot, the grass turns a, 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 um, a brownish color because it's affected by the heat. Now, in the Hampton Roads area, we don't get an awful lot of brown grass because along with our heat, we have a built-in humidifier. And so, and so everything, including the sides of buildings in Hampton Roads, grows a nice green color. Amen? I was driving by my neighbor's house the other day. My neighbors have a really nice house, a quite expensive house. But I was noticing that their house was no longer the white that their vinyl siding was originally. It is a, not even an off-white anymore. In fact, I was thinking probably Gary uh, Paul might want to go by and say, I can make your house white again if you'll let me wash off all that's growing on the side of it right now. But we recognize and we understand, you know, we have flowers. We have beautiful flowers uh, out in front of the church. I don't know. I didn't notice them this morning whether they're actually, I can see from here there are some blooms on there. But all of us understand, all of us have seen what happens to flowers when the bloom fades, withers, falls off. You know, sometimes we have roses out here, and sometimes the, uh, the, the roses just wither. They just wither. And by the way, I believe that rose bushes look better green than with withered roses on them. Would everybody agree to that? Withered roses, you, feel, you just feel bad for them. They just look terrible. And see, what God has said, listen, this is so important. If we were saved by that which our ancestors did, you know, well, I'm glad to be a, an American citizen. I'm glad to have been born and raised in a country that has so many advantages that we have here in the United States of America. Now, we all, I think everyone in here right now would recognize that the United States of America has fallen on hard times in the last 10, 15 years. There seems to be a, a significant ungodliness, a significant selfishness, a lack of simple, simple common decency much in the United States of America. And, and, that, and, it, and, it's, and it's disappointing, and, and it's sad that this would be true. But listen, when I was a younger person, I grew up in, a, in a, um, an environment in, in northern New England where we were proud of our heritage, where we were proud of our country, we were proud of the people that came before us. And what this passage is saying is this. Don't, don't, don't 
take your hopes of eternity and pin them on the society that you live in that came before you. Because all that man can produce, all of our best efforts, is still a rose that's going to eventually fade. But by contrast, it says this, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Now, look up here for just a moment. I don't know how, I really don't know how to, I don't know how to state this strongly enough without you, without some of you thinking that I'm being, oh, that I'm overstating it. You have no idea how valuable the Bible is, how important the Bible is. Listen, all of the, all of the actual wisdom in the world comes from this Bible. The best that men can do, the best that we can do is simply agree with what God says. That's the best that we can do. The best that I can do, the best that the preacher, any and every preacher, the best that we can do is simply expose what the passage actually says. Amen? I know i said this a lot, but I can't tell you how many times people have come to see me and tell you how important the statement was. At 2 o'clock in the morning, at 2 o'clock in the morning, all you really have is the Word of God. The, the, the pleasant platitudes of the preacher are lost at 2 o'clock in the morning. When you're, when I, the reason I use 2 o'clock in the morning is if your life is going well, quite well, then 2 o'clock in the morning will probably come and go with you sleeping. But when your life is not going well and you're up at 2 o'clock in the morning, most always, if you're up at 2 o'clock in the morning, unless you're suffering from jet lag, you are up at 2 o'clock in the morning because of some significant difficulty in your life. And where do you turn at 2 o'clock in the morning? And the answer should be just to the Word of God. More importantly, to the God of the Word. Amen? Because see, the author, the author of this book loves you in a way that it is not possible for me to communicate to you. Now listen, even if you're here this morning and you're unsaved, if you are in your sins, it is, God, it is not God's will that you remain there, and His love for you is still mighty and strong. For God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when I was not on God's side... God loved me. That's what saved me, by the way. What saved me was not the holiness of God, not the righteousness of God. What saved me was the fact that He would love me when I was powerless to do anything right. Amen? What a tremendous God we have. Now this passage begins knowing that all, that all flesh is grass and that the Word of God endures forever. The passage begins, and now if we go to the end of the last passage that we were looking at, it says, if you go, let's go, let's go to verse 13. Uh, gird up the loins, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, be ready for the things that are going to happen and hope, expect all the way to the end for the grace that is to be brought at you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Please look up here for again for a second. It is, so, it is so easy for us to get focused on temporal things, on things that are very temporary, isn't it? No? Yes? Especially difficulties, right? Right? We have such a hard time understanding how short this life is. You know, Betty and I were talking about this the other day. The Bible very clearly says that our life is but a vapor. And again, you can go look it up. The word means exhale. It just means our life is but a breath. One out breath. 
That's our entire life. But when we're going through difficulties, it doesn't seem that way. Now, when you're going through, you know, they say time flies when you're having fun. Like when you're at church, time flies when you're having fun. When things are going wonderfully well, time goes by quickly. But when things are going by in a difficult way, they seem to drag. That's what they call work, okay? So time seems to drag when things are not going the way you want them to. But I really believe that the Lord would have us to understand that this being sober is an understanding. Please, please please really hear me. Christ is coming very soon to take everyone on the planet that trusts him away. And for each and every one of us, the time on the planet is very short. And I say, now listen, hear me. One, let's just, let's just draw a timeline, okay? Let's draw a timeline. Instead of making it an eternal timeline, let's just make it 700 billion years, just a short period, okay? 700 billion years. So you just figure, you put your fingers however far apart you want to signify 700 billion years. Now, picture 100 years in that timeline, right? And a hundred years in that timeline, well, quite honestly, with your fingertip, you can't accurately make a dot small enough to touch that hundred years. Do you understand? Do you understand? Does it, does, it, does, it, does it surprise you that God wants you to understand that life is but a vapor and eternity is forever? Now, you and I have a beginning time. You, I don't remember my beginning time. I don't even remember my first memory. I sometimes wonder if anybody really remembers their first memory or if they've just been told something so many times that they now picture it happening. Or, oh, I remember when you did such and such. Oh, yeah, I remember that too. No, you don't. No, you don't. I don't remember, again, I, and, and, no, no, we don't need to make any jokes about how I can't remember yesterday, although I have a hard time remembering yesterday. This time here... The verse that we see here in verse 22, seeing that you purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned, in other words, genuine, genuine, it's Philadelphia, love of the brethren, see that ye love, agape, one another with a pure heart fervently. This is, this is what we need to do. Do you understand? Be sober. Look, look, look up here, everybody. Be sober. We're only here for a little while. Please listen. Do not lose your soul for the tinsel that this world can offer you for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 70 years of your life. Please don't. Be sober. Understand, we have to go to work. We have to have an income. We have to pay the bills. These things are necessary. But our Father has, knows that we have need of these things before we even ask Him concerning these things. Amen? But life is not in going to work. Life is not in earning money. Life is not in the difficulties that come in it. Life is not on this pleasure or that pleasure. This is life eternal. According to John 17, 3, this is life eternal. That they might know thee, Jesus is speaking, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Amen? So eternal life is to know God, is to not, listen, not know about God, not be able to pass a Bible quiz, not be able to know your Bible a little bit better than the person in front of you, behind you, but to actually know in a personal, deep relationship the God who loves us. And, he's, and he has told us all of this in his word. He has purchased all of this with his blood, and he has committed all of this to his son on our behalf. Amen? 
Now, since this is true, what he says is, since this is true, when you get up tomorrow, when you get up in a minute from, the, from where you're sitting, when you get up, love each other. Love each other. Now here, look at, look at how it begins. Look at how it begins in verse 22. Seeing, if this is true, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. In other words, you believe the gospel, which is preached and which is talked about in verse 25. Since you have believed the truth through the Spirit, not through the energy of your flesh, the Holy Spirit convicted you one day and you surrendered and submitted and said, please rescue me from me. And praise God he did. And you rejoiced at it with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So glad, so grateful, so humbly broken by your sin and so excited for the salvation that's in Christ. Amen. Since that's true, if that's true, if that's true, what you notice is this. Unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Now what does that mean? If it says unto unfeigned love of the brethren, what does that obviously indicate? That you can go to church and pretend to love other people and not love other people. That would be what? Feigned or phony or fake love of the brethren. But let me say this. The Holy Spirit does not have phony love. Amen? Yes? Here's what he, you want to know who has phony love? Chuck has phony love. And you can insert your name there. What we have is selfish love. I love you if you love me. If you are beneficial to me, then I want to be beneficial to you. Why? Because I want your presence in my life because your presence is a help to me. But that's not how the Holy Spirit is. That's not how the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit does everything for our advantage. That's what real love is. Real love is one, unfeigned, and two, it is, and what's the last word? So you just remember these two words, right? If all you can remember today is this, if you're a new creature, then you now have unfeigned love. You now have genuine love, and it's not yours. Amen? And it's not yours. And all of us know this. Every one of us knows this. Everyone that I know that I'm quite confident is a new creature here in this room, I recognize the difference between the Holy Spirit in you loving me and you trying your hardest to get along with me. Amen? Right? And it's very evident, and we all recognize this, when we walk after the flesh, we will fulfill the, what? Lusts of the flesh. So what happens is this, if I walk after the flesh, I become a very selfish pastor. Isn't that horrible? Pastors can be very selfish if they walk at all men and women and children can be very selfish, and are very selfish when they walk after the flesh. But if you're a new creature, the power to love one another is actually present now because the Spirit of God really loves people around you. And is, you know, I'm going to share a sound really odd. Um, I don't know what day it was, Tuesday, maybe Tuesday. I got a text message from, my, uh, from Amanda, and she was watching Mora. Some of you guys know who Mora is. Mora's the little girl that my daughter watched a couple years ago a lot. And so Maura was here at the church a lot. And so Maura was in my office a lot. And Maura, used to, she would, Maura would come to my door and she would uh, say, knock, knock. She, and, then just, and she never waited for me to say, come in, by the way. She just said, knock, knock, and then would open the door and come into my office. And come right over, and, 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 uh, and she wanted to play with the refrigerator. There's a little refrigerator in my office, and it has a dial that goes from one to seven. 
And when she left, it might be at one and it might be at seven, but it was never at four and a half where it was supposed to be. Amen. So, so she would always play, but, but, but we just had this tremendous, well, anyway, I just, I tell you all that to say this. I haven't seen her in a long time because she hasn't, Amanda hasn't watched her in quite a long time. And I was really thinking she probably would just forget about me because she was very young when we, you know, when we knew each other. And, uh, and, she, and Amanda sent me a text and she said, Morris playing with a phone here at the office. And she, just, and she just keeps saying, my dad. She calls me my dad because she called me dad. And, and Amanda said, no, that's my dad. And so, <laughs> so she calls me my dad. And so, and so she said, she said, she just keeps saying, my dad, come back. I want to see you. And I, and I got the text and I just cried. Right? Why? Because I, I love Maura. Why? I have no idea why. I really don't. I mean, she's a lovable child, don't get me wrong. But I have no idea. I have no idea where real care comes from. Now, there is a natural affection, praise God, that God has put into mankind. Otherwise, we wouldn't even be nice to each other. Unsaved people can be nice to each other. But there's a deep love that we have when we're a new creature that just can't go away. You know, I, don't, I mean, I start, I start, I can start telling you where I've seen this in our church family, but I would embarrass people by, by quote-unquote, lifting them up in public. But I have seen such tremendous love for people that people didn't even know until the Holy Spirit burdened them to go help them with something and just knit them together just like that. Amen? But listen, listen, I'm telling you. How many of you are aware of the news in Charlottesville, you know, yesterday? See, what's the answer? And the, other, and the answer is love one another with a pure heart, fervently. Not pick a side. Not argue and fuss. Not get in a self-righteous mode about this or that. Love one another with a pure heart fervently. I really believe with all, with all of my heart that if local churches were full of the love of God, that God is able to fill our local church with, that we could be a tremendous help to the community around us. I believe it's the only way we can be a help to the community around us. Do you understand this? Listen, I was afraid of God long before I was saved. I was afraid of God. God is holy. God is holy, right? Go up and look at uh, um, verse 15. Uh, be holy, right? Because God is holy. As he which has called you is holy. God is holy. I knew God was holy. I knew God was holy. I did. I knew God was holy. I knew God was keeping score. I know it sounds weird to say it that way, but I was confident God was keeping score and I was losing. And it wasn't like I was in a competition with God. God was just keeping score of my life and I was losing. My bad outweighed my good, and I was not a bad person. I was just not a good person. And I was aware, my conscience made me aware of my sin, but it was the love of God in Christ that saved me. Not the holiness of God that saved me. The holiness of God did not save me, and it has never saved anyone. Now, God has saved you righteously because of the blood of his son. Amen? Right? What does it say? We were not redeemed with, uh, with uh, um, what does it say, corruptible seed, but incorruptible. That's verse 23. And then it says in verse 18, for as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. I got to say this again. I know I say this probably every time. It makes reference to uh, silver and gold being corruptible. Silver and gold are two of the least corruptible metals we have, right? 
When I designed circuits, when I designed circuits as an engineer before I came into the ministry, when we had to have a circuit that could, a mission critical circuit that could not fail, we were allowed to use what? Gold. Why? Because gold doesn't oxidize quickly. And when it does, it just gets a slight sheen on it, but it doesn't rot. And yet God calls silver and gold things that we, one, will fight to get a hold of, two, we value because they do not rot quickly in our lifetime, and God calls them corruptible things. But you know what's incorruptible? You know what's incorruptible? Cannot be corrupted. You know what can't be corrupted? The blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And every one of us that's truly washed in the blood have been washed with that which is incorruptible. That which has begun your salvation will be there at the end of your salvation because it cannot be corrupted. Amen? If this is true, if, if this is true in our lives, what is meant to be the defining characteristic of those of us that are actual new creatures? And this is it. Unfeigned love and fervent love. This is what God wants to accomplish. Now, now let's be honest. I'm done. This is it. Very short message this morning. How many of you, how many of you would confess, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you would confess that there has been too much feigned love in your life? And then how many of you would confess that there has not been enough fervent love in your life? And then what are you going to do about that? Where are you going to go for that? And the answer is to the same God that loved you when you started. Amen? Because he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it. Now, that does, listen, listen, this is, this is important. That doesn't simply mean that he shall finish it. It means he shall continue to perform it day after day after day. Why? Do I have feigned love because I walk after the flesh? Why do I have a lack of fervent love because I walk after the flesh? Can I have victory over that? Praise God, I can. Can you? Listen, if you're a new creature, you can. If you're not a new creature, one, you're still in your sin. The holiness of God is against you. If you are not born again, if you are not saved by the blood of Christ, then your own guilt is between you and God. That's why Jesus came, to, to, to save you from your own guilt. But if he has saved you from your own guilt, he didn't just save you from your sins. He has given you power that sin no longer has what? Dominion no longer has dominance, no longer has authority over you. Instead, the grace that saved you is the grace that has authority over you. And we recognize this and we rejoice in this and we'll continue to study this. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how wonderfully simple it is. And Lord, I thank you for just taking this time to cause us to realize this morning, to turn us away from all the glory of man, which can look good for just a moment until it rots. But Lord, we were not redeemed with corruptible things. We were not redeemed with men's efforts or men's teaching. We were redeemed because we were saved by your word, according to what you say about it. We were saved by the blood of Christ. And because of this, Lord, you have made us new creatures. And because you have made us new creatures, you have given us an unfeigned love and an ability to have a fervent love 
one for another. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we could give an altar call and people could come down, but Father, it will do them no good if it doesn't affect their tomorrow. So Lord, I pray that you would cause us to understand together this morning that what you want to accomplish in our lives is you want us to have a, a fervent, genuine love for others. Lord, you have this love. And you want us to display this love by walking not after our flesh, but after your Holy Spirit, who has come to live within us and given us power over wickedness and selfishness. Father, we thank you for this. Lord, would you, would you bless us? Would you bless your time in our lives and bless this day? In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me if you would.